What is going on? This is Michael Hacker with the Hacker Outdoors podcast, uh, doing that live intro today for you all. Um, on today's show, I am solo for the time being. Brian will be joining shortly, and Joey is preparing for some season uh, fishing, it looks like, apparently. Um, so he is not going to be joining us unless we go a little bit past 7.30 tonight. Uh, so of course this airs on Fridays. We had a little bit of a technical difficulties earlier this week. I'll say that on a personal level, uh, was unable to record for a Tuesday release, uh, but we are here um, all as well. And we're gonna jump right in. So big update from the Division of Fish and Wildlife came through today. Uh, fishing is prohibited on stocked waters from March 15th to March 31st. Um, that's a little bit preseason stocking going on uh, for the, those of you that are trout fishermen out there. And just like last year, due to the ongoing pandemic, uh, the preseason closure will begin one week early. So that's the 15th once again. TCAs, catch and release zones, and holdover trout lakes. And the six trout stocked waters typically open during the preseason will remain open for catch and release trout only during that period of time. Um, all trout stocked waters will open for catch and release beginning April 1st through the 9th. And then, of course, it closes at midnight uh, on the 10th and will open on the 10th in the morning uh, for, of course, your wild and crazy opening day there. Um, so definitely good. That is an 8 a.m. open uh, on that date on the 10th. Uh, so pretty exciting stuff going on. Uh, like to see that they've kind of shaken it up a little bit. Uh, Brian and I had talked a little bit about trout fishing and how I kind of wish that they would do something a little bit differently uh, here. We have, if you go to the njfishandwildlife.com's website, they have literally everything you could possibly ever want to know regarding what's being uh, stocked, where and when. Uh, they were pretty good on social media last year. Uh, posting that stuff on there. Oh, look, it looks like Brian Hacker has entered the waiting room. So let's go ahead and jump on in. Welcome, my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Haven't haven't seen you in a few. So we were going over, Joey is a little late. He is uh, probably not gonna be joining us because he is prepping for some sort of tournament or something. Um, so we'll jump jump from there. Uh, I did get an email from the Division of Fish and Wildlife that, you know, they are bumping up the stocking and the uh, water closures. So it uh, looks like they're doing what they did last year where, you know, season technically opens on the 1st. Uh, that'll be catch and release only until the 10th. And then the 10th will be the official opening day. Um, always a plethora of great information, like I was saying, on njfishandwildlife.com. Uh, that's where... I go for kind of trying to figure out what my my game plan is for for trout season, right? Or really any any fishing. Yeah, yeah they they give you a ton of information on there. People don't realize um, it, anything you would possibly want to know. When people say, "Michael, where do you find places to go fish?" It's it's usually I start on the New Jersey Fish and Wildlife website. Yeah, it's for and, anything though. Like you just do a little research, and the information's out there. It's just kind of funny, but. You know, people don't like to chase. They like to just be handed stuff. Yeah, we, we've talked about that, right? Like it's a, yeah. it's a, an issue for sure. Yeah. Instant well, gratification. <laughs> I uh, I got our nephew, my godson, uh, a pair of waders for, for his birthday. He was super excited. Um, 
he, he texts me he goes he's like because uh, i told him that there was a striped bass opening day on the on the first and he goes he goes can we go striped bass fishing i'm like well you're in quarantine buddy but maybe maybe when you're done there we'll, we'll yeah. get you out um but him and jimmy are, are super excited our our other nephew yeah. um yeah can't wait to get out there man i was looking at some pictures and uh they definitely do have uh you know, some guys catching some striped bass, mostly backwater stuff, um, but still some some beauties. I you know, follow a bunch of hashtags on Instagram and then, of course, on the fishing groups on Facebook. Um, there's been a lot out there. Yeah, definitely worth uh, chasing after this year for sure. You, you can try and make your way out there? Uh, I would like to. Um, we'll see how much time works out. But, uh, you know, every every time I get a, a weekend, I always look at for, for surf first <laughs> right now um until trout starts and then uh then i'll start thinking about trout but yeah i would definitely like to get out there and catch some stripe or some big fish be fun well i always you know the regulations for fishing always kind of confuse the ever-living heck out of me right um and i always go on the state website to try and figure out a little bit by what it is what they mean right um so i think you know for 2021 here, it says there's going to be 500,000 trout will be distributed in four weeks during the preseason. That's a, a, a ton, <laughs> a ton of them. Uh, they are not doing any bonus broadstock lakes. Uh, broadstocks will be distributed throughout the state. They do not say anything out regarding that. Um, but you can go on New Jersey Fish and Wildlife, like I said, and we'll link to it here. They have a PDF with literally everything you want to know about, about trout fishing in the state. Um, and what those closures look like. So um, the closures themselves don't actually, you know, mean anything for every body of water. So definitely before you head out, you know, take a look. Um, of course, you, you still have a few days here. You can get out on any water you want and, and do some trout fishing um, before that uh, kind of close out date. 15th, man, coming up. I can't believe it. Crazy. It's, it came quick this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh what's going on with you man it's been like i said a hot minute yeah you know just truck along over here um you know just keep it on keep it on i've been uh watching a lot of uh kind of youtube uh, we'll call them youtube how-tos um funny enough i you know after uh our podcast is uh is obviously on youtube and i'm sure a lot of our listeners listen on there um you know, you kind of get directed to certain types of videos after, after, you know, you, you follow or you view uh, one of our YouTube cases. So I've been have, having a pretty good time uh, on my free time watching some of the fishing stuff that's come in response to, to our videos and our, you know, our podcasts. Um, there's just so much information out there. And I, you know, it kind of goes back to, you know, what we were saying before with uh, people, you know, wanting to be handed things. Yeah. versus going to get things well you can literally learn how to go get it yourself which is pretty much handing it to you by watching some youtube videos of how to do things let's say just catch trout all right how, what are some some techniques to catch trout there is literally hundreds of orvis directed trout fishing how-to videos and they're and they're and they're great fantastic they're absolutely great the, the, yeah. i unknowingly used used one of the techniques that was in one of the videos and uh, I was like, oh, that's what they call that. And um, I forget what it was, but uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting because people could jump into 
trout fishing, you know, pretty, pretty green without having any real knowledge of how to do it and catch fish just by watching those YouTube videos. hundred percent. I think it goes with anything, but, but just fishing in, in specifically, because, you know, you teach a man to fish and the old <laughs> saying goes, you know, it's, yeah. I, I wish more people would use it, the resource, you know, it's, that's one of our, you know, our, our resources here to, to kind of learn how to do stuff with the outdoors. Yeah. And, you know, I was reading an article earlier and it was um, like you, I am, uh, we'll say a consumer of, of information and try and learn as much as I can through other people. Right. And, um, I was telling you, I, I, for those of you who don't know, one of the big projects I did this weekend was, uh, was laying some stonework in my entryway. And um, a friend of mine goes, I didn't know you knew how to do that. I said, I, he's like, if I had known that, I would have had you help me. I wouldn't have paid someone. He's like, I didn't know how to do it. Like I YouTubed it. I had a buddy of mine, you know, who helped me out for like, you know, half the day to kind of get me started. And then guess what? I figured it out and made it work. Mm -hmm. Like fishing to me is half of the fun is figuring it out. But that is also hundred percent of the frustration is trying to figure yeah. it out. Right. Like, Oh yeah. hundred percent days on the water and you're, you're really, and specifically trout fishing, right? Like no. is one of the most difficult types of fishing I, I will say that I've ever done is for trout. And that's why I love it so much. You spend so much time finicking with these tiny little flies and nymphs and, you know, you're trying to figure out what the bite is and what's that, what's the hatch and, you know, what, do I have the right size tippet on? Do I, you know, do I need to add weight to it? Is it in the right water column, you know? you have all these things going on and you're whipping a hook back and forth over your head um, continuously that you, you really do have to pay attention. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of, kind of crazy, man. Um, but I, I agree the the YouTubes is great for that. I've been watching a lot of guys, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, the fishaholic. Uh, oh, yeah. Those of you who do not know him, he's, a Jersey guy, born and raised. Um, he is presently down south, uh, somewhere in the area that you and I used to go, Brian. And mm -hmm. he's a big kayak fisherman. Um, but in his early days, he's got a lot of trout fishing. He's not a big fly fisherman or anything like that, but I just really do enjoy him. And I get a little nuggets of information. I always watch him when he does striper fishing. And it's like, what is his tempo? <laughs> what is his cadence? You know, we, we know what to throw, but sometimes you don't think you know, about those little things like we were talking about with Joe the other day. Um, but yeah, I kind of agree with you there. What, what were you watching and what did you learn? Uh, so I was watching, it was, it was just a, I forget the guy's name. I'll, I'll remember for, for, uh, for next week for our next podcast, but um, it was basically on, um, do you remember? So I, I was self-taught. I didn't watch any videos, you know, uh, for our listeners. I, I, when I was in college, I, um, I went back to college as a, as a, as an older gentleman, if you want to say that. Um, and I you call yourself an older gentleman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was, I was fishing at a pretty urban, actually very urban stretch of river, uh, pretty consistently, um, for, for we small were talking, to ask. We were talking yeah. about the last one, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went out and got a, a fly rod and uh, my first rod was a TFO and, you know, they hooked me up at a local fly, fly shop and they told me what to use. And uh, they're like, you know, I would start off going for some panfish, sunfish and, you know, smallmouth if you can get one. And 
that's what I did. But I don't know if you remember when, when we first started fishing, I was doing this, uh, I forget what the actual technical term for it is, but it's like a double hitch uh, roll cast. And it was just literally just, I was just trying to whip it to kind of get it to flop on itself to get it out there. Yeah. And uh, that's a, that's a real technique. It's, uh, it's just something I thought I did just to kind of get some line out there and drift it past the spot. And uh, the guys legitimately use that in tight streams. And I was like, oh, wow, that's actually, I, without being taught that or watching Orvis videos or whatever it was, I just naturally knew, like, okay, I got to get a heavy fly out there that's already on dead drift right now on the swing. And I want to get it back upstream past, you know, without flopping it right, right in the, um, the riffle that I was aiming for. So how am I going to do it? Okay, I guess I'll just, you know, load it and kind of swing it and see if it goes. It kind of, you know, flops and then you flop it again. There it is. It's right to the spot where you want. So it can just dead drift past right where you wanted it. And I was, I was doing it for, for smallmouth in, in that river. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I now I use it for trout too. Um, on the lazy days, like when it gets warmer. Um, you, you, you mentioned, I mean, the, I think if you spend enough time doing an activity, right. We'll take fly fishing because that's what we're speaking of. <laughs> You start off, I think, because once again, we started not having any kind of instruction, kind of just mm -hmm. figured it out on our own, right? I think we, we figured out what worked just by doing, right? You get into sticky yeah. situations where you can't backcast. Um, really, a lot of the bodies of water that we fish, you, you do not have any area to backcast, right? Mm -hmm. like you are not doing these big water casts at all. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of roll casts. You, you're talking about the double haul, uh, double haul, right? Double haul, double yeah. haul. Yep. Double haul. Yeah. So, you know, learning the double haul and, um, just finding like, I call it kind of like dirty fly fishing, right. In, in many respects, because you're not, it's not the beautiful casting that people expect. And no. it's, you, you have to find the way that actually works for you, yeah. um, in that body of water that you're, you're casting it. But you know, it, it's worth mentioning though that I, without any training, any any you know real know-how, you know, I went out to Montana and I was using just the regular dirty let's call the dirty jersey techniques that I was using here in Montana, and I caught fish. And some of the people I was with weren't catching fish, you know, and eventually they did. But um, so it, it does work, and you can teach yourself, and you can just make it work. You realize, okay, so fish, you know, they hit on on the dead drift when I was doing this, let me try that again, see if it works, you know, and it, it goes with anything with, with the outdoors, you kind of work with what you got a little bit, you know, remember uh, one of my good friends uh, in hockey used to, used to say to me, uh, look good, play good. So if, you know, it, it, it kind of carries over to this in, in my opinion. So it's like, if, if you, you know, if you keep trying and, you know, you look good doing it, then it's going to, it's going to work eventually. <laughs> oh nick cortez i know i like <laughs> you know nick shout out to nick man and you but yeah you figured the way to do it man yeah. um and you know i think part of our goal of doing this and also for years of, of doing an activity is is you bring people into it that would like to learn right and it's not you don't always handhold them to get them mm -hmm. there but they know like they people reach out and say hey mike hey brian like i'd like to try this can you can you take me fly fishing and we took a a friend of ours um or i should say a friend of mine a former colleague and he was like 
I want to try it hack. He's like, I see you pictures. It looks like you're up in deliverance country. Like, <laughs> can you take me up there? And, you know, we took him up to Sussex County and took him to a stretch of a very popular, you know, brook and a river. And he was like, holy cow, like we are in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, we were middle of the season and the only people around. And yeah. Um, you know, we caught fish. I, th I think I posted a video of you uh, years ago um, to the background music of, of uh, what was it, Star Wars, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, YouTube flagged it because they don't like that stuff. But, you know, uh, who cares? But, you know, real, the real evil empire. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's kind of why we do what we do is to share the beauty of the world with those of us in the world that don't know how to explore it or how to experience it, right? Um, yeah. Speaking of, I just clicked off onto, I was trying to find something for you um, and pulled up uh, Facebook for a second there because I wanted to show you this picture of this guy, um, well, to tell you about this picture. These guys in Pennsylvania, man, we got to make our way out there. Yeah. I, I, not a day goes by where these guys aren't posting natural brookies and brownies that are just beautiful. Yeah. Unbelievably beautiful. Definitely, uh, definitely worth the trip. Yeah. That's my New York state license is still valid. So I, I think in order to finish the, uh, triumvirate there, uh, the Pennsylvania one is definitely high on the list. Yeah. Well, I think, Go ahead. I think our our friend John would um, he would get all three. So he'd get New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania, and he would fish, you know, all three uh, all three states through the uh, you know through the season. Um, but yeah, I think I I think I fished. Did I fish in New York? Yeah, I, I fished in New York, and I I fished with you for trout in Pennsylvania when we were kids. Um, so I've I've done all three. I've caught fish in all three. Um, re recently, a friend of mine, um, who I think would be great, uh, I guess on the podcast and we'll look into, um, he, I think he moved to Connecticut for, for work and he's been fishing up there and he posted a beautiful brown trout he caught. And, uh, it's just somewhere, another place that, you know, I never really thought there would be big fishing, but, uh, yeah, the Northeast I, is, uh, underrated, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here you go. Um, I'm, I was looking for while you were talking about Pennsylvania. So fish for trout opening day statewide is April 3rd. It's funny how everyone like arbitrarily just choose, chooses a date. Like this yeah. is the date. We're just going to make it open day. Like no rhyme or reason. Yeah. It's it's not because there's, you know, breeding isn't happening or, you know, they're not, you know, embedding or whatever. Um, but this uh, Pennsylvania has got a pretty good website for learning about fish so i yeah. i was reading about guys on the schuylkill catching some beautiful fish uh the schuylkill if you're unaware it runs down into philly um and i was like what are you talking about there's a famous actual uh video of mike iconelli those of you who, who know mike iconelli or ike going i he had a at this i believe it was a discovery channel show it was called fish my city and he was fishing in philadelphia and he caught a catfish <laughs> downtown philly out of a drain pipe and you know kind of set me off on this like what another kind of freaking fish around there and these guys are catching some beautiful fish in the schuylkill 
a little bit out of the city, but still like in the Schuylkill itself. Um, but their fishandboat.com has great information. I think it's actually better laid out than New Jersey Fish and Wildlife's website. It's a lot more um, user-friendly, uh, you know, it's got some great you know, maps, which we don't really have on ours. Ours tell us where things are and you just have to go to the old Googles or whatever map service you use and figure it out. But uh, Pennsylvania has nearly 16,000 miles and counting of wild trout streams and nearly 5,000 miles of stocked trout streams and over 125 stocked lakes. Let that marinate for a second, man. 16,000 miles of wild trout streams. It's, it's a it's a big state and i think uh you know I, th I really think there's more there's probably more outdoorsmen in pennsylvania than new jersey new jersey's more populated densely uh i just think people more you know invest into the lifestyle out there than they do here um but i mean we, we we've driven through this state, you know and we've seen a lot of it and i remember thinking the entire time we point to each other as our normal game goes you know i bet i could fish there and the entire time we were saying it so but I think the problem is, you know, we've, we've touched upon this a couple of times in, in other places. And I think it's true in Pennsylvania, not as much as it is here, or New Jersey isn't as much as it is there, but um, access issues, right? Like a lot of these wild trout streams in Pennsylvania, because I got a buddy who lives up in the Poconos and he's, he just moved there and he said, he goes, I can't find any water to fish. And I said, yeah, give me your address. So I typed it in Google and I said, you have like hundreds of blue water, you know, that I would fish, you know, these little, you know, mountain streams and you zoom in and it's all on private property. And you're like, ah, <laughs> you're like, damn, like you gotta, I go, here's what you do is, is you go, and a friend who did this here in Jersey, I go, you go knock on someone's door. You know, it's COVID world. Maybe you don't do it now, but you know, you go knock at someone's door and say, hey, like, can I get permission to fish your property? Right. Mm -hmm. And say, you know, it's a guy, whatever, just say, hey, you know, I'll bring you a handle of whiskey every time I come. How's that sound? I'll get you a whiskey. Do you have a favorite kind? Jack Daniels? Do you want me to get you some, you know, Irish whiskey? Do you want, what, what do you want? And, and just do it. Just leave it on his doorstep every time you go and make sure that you're cleaning up after yourself. You're not leaving the yeah. river and the, you know, obviously the property all messed up. Um, I think that's what I would do. Yeah, um, that would all take. I, I mean, we did that when we were out in PA. Obviously, our our family was friends with the neighbor, so he's like, "Yep, we got permission. Just go up there and don't leave it trashed." Yep. Um, that's literally what cool. he said. I remember him saying, "Don't leave garbage up there." And we said, "Okay." That was also one of those streams, and, and when you talk about some of these yeah. wild, wild streams, like what was the name of that movie? The uh, oh my god, with the the plane crash in Alaska. Oh, um, the, not the wild, uh, not the rock. Uh, I forget. It was with, also, it was with I think Anthony Hopkins was the main character, wasn't it? It was. Um, I'll find it, but. You know, there's a scene in it where there, you know, there's a plane crash in Alaska and um, he takes, he's got this beautiful watch and he takes the handle off the watch and, and uses it as, it's like gold, uses it to, to fish for, mm -hmm. I don't know if it was trout or whatever it was so long ago. And they were biting just the hook itself. But this is literally what this stream was like in Pennsylvania, way out in Western PA, where it was just simply 
you could drop a piece of metal in this river or this little brook and you would have a fish probably within a few minutes. I mean, I've never caught so many brook trout in my entire life. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's quite the experience. We've, we've, we've had some fishing adventures. We should, we should do that on this every once in a while is just tell, uh, tell story of, uh, of the different fishing adventures we've had. It'd be fun. Yeah, actually, I, you know, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about today. Um, we, I, you had a memory pop up on the old iPhone, right? Like they, they like to show you today's featured mm-hmm. photo and it's not necessarily from today, but uh, it showed our trip to Moscow, Maine. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I, on the surface, Moscow, Maine, for those of you who are unaware, it's this literally, if you could look at the state of Maine and look at the map and just simply point right in the middle that is moscow man and it's known because it was a huge radar facility for norad i guess back in the uh during the cold war um and it's got this reservoir this beautiful reservoir man-made right it's dammed up um that is just in the middle of nowhere so there's all these cabins alongside of it and we go up there with uh, some family and spent was it like three days of excruciating uh, rain? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was three days. Yeah, um, was... I. The edge, you by know, the way. That was the, the edge. Room. That's what it was. Yeah. I, I spent my youth uh, going up there. So every, every summer I'd spend, you know, either one or two weeks up there at a time. Um, and, you know, we would uh, we'd fish it. So I, I know those waters are back in my hand. Um, but yeah, the time we went, uh, I remember telling you ahead of time, because I think, I think you had a little bit of a fishing slump going that summer and, um, you know, not calling you out on fishing ability or anything like that, but you did, you had a fishing slump going and, uh, you, you only caught like one or two fish or something like that. And, uh, we, um, what happened next? We, we, uh, I, I told you before we went, I was like, I was like, you're going to catch a fish every cast. And you're like, oh, no, no way. You know, maybe if I get like two or three fish in, in a day, I'll be happy. And sure enough, first day you were catching two or three fish at cast. So, you know, every, every time we went fishing, every, every cast you catch a fish. You're coming in and you're like two or three memorable fish every time we went out on the boat, which is unheard of. Um, and it was, it was really good fishing. And, uh, you know, it, I remember being a kid too when we used to go up there and um, we, would, we would have, you know, weeks that they were like that and then weeks that, you know, a little harder to fish because, you know, cold fronts or whatever, you know, as you know, the weather kind of dictates a lot of stuff but um you know up up in that section of maine there's so much water there's so many lakes and uh some real famous rivers too for for um for salmonoid fish um but uh you know moosehead's a stone throw from there and everyone knows moosehead um and uh yeah just smallmouth bass and any other you know northeast fish you could think of are in there but we, we were just catching smallies left and oh. right I think it was one of the most memorable fishing trips as far as bass goes that I've ever had. And I, you know, there were, let's see, five of us on the boat, right? And uh, our uncle had this small little fishing boat and we would go and we were cruising along this lake and we were probably the only boat on this lake that we saw. And there's bald eagles flying over our heads. (laughs) You know, you're you're hearing the sound of loons playing like from, you know, distant coves along this really secluded lake. It really is in the middle of freaking nowhere. Mm -hmm. And 
um he's like basically the goal our uncle is is he's like the goal is, is we're going to go up to these series of islands and just you know i'll shut the boat off and we'll just cruise down along the edge of the island and then you know we'll kind of go up and then just continue this pattern of you know just cruising along these islands and i'm like okay well this is interesting and number one we have five people mm-hmm. on this small little fishing boat uh yeah. you know how is this going to work and, and number two like i had a fishing slump right like i i had killed a trout um accidentally of course mm-hmm. and um it was luckily of size and i don't like to keep them but you know we did eat it and I I got in my own head right at that point. I'm like, damn, I don't want to kill another fish. And, you know, I'm not catching anything. And, you know, at, at this point, we were still kind of splitting, you know, just on one hand using the fly rods for trout, but we hadn't really moved into using the fly rod on bass at that point. And we had our spinning rods up there, right? We had, I think, one spinning rod each and a tackle yeah. box full of just really swim baits at that point. Yeah, um, I have no problem telling everyone what we use, by the way. you you can you can say it but we we would go up in the first island and you're just kind of like flabbergasted because this you know summertime and it is freezing cold it had Mm -hmm. just stopped raining and what happens when it stops raining the bite turns on right and it was like we got in this position at the right spot the sun started to ever so slightly peek behind these clouds and the mist starts rising off the water and we start casting along the banks here as we're kind of floating along and you catch a fish and I catch a fish and our cousins catch fishes and uncle Ed catches fish. And it's like one after another. And it's like, Holy cow. Like in one pass, I think we each caught two, at least two fish each. And he's like, all right, let's go back. And, you know, we just catch and release as, as we're going. It's like, boom. If I remember correctly, we, I have it in my, uh, my fishing diary somewhere. It was, I think we caught like close to 70 fish in two days of fishing up there. We were gone for mm-hmm. three days because of traveling two days of fishing, 70 fish. And we were supposed to be, mind you, fishing sun up to sundown. And we couldn't do that because it was pouring really torrential downpours. And we, I mean, it, you didn't have a dull moment on that trip. Mm-hmm. It was just incredible. And then we were like, you know what? It's we gotta pack it in because the storm was gonna get worse, and it is what yeah. it was. Um, but you know, I think the thing that I used, if I remember correctly, and I, you know, I can definitely go back and check on this in my fishing diary. But I think we were using Rapalas, um, that was most of it, and then poppers. And yeah. it, you know, when you're catching white, white and green, white, uh, and green. white and green, yeah. So if you ever make your way up to uh, Moscow, Maine, please do yourself a favor and fish that uh, beautiful body of water up there and, and think of Brian and I as you're catching all those uh, beautiful, beautiful, smallies. beautiful smallies, man. Uh, it's not called Moscow Lake. It's, uh, hold on, it's called... Wyman Lake. Wyman Lake, thank you, yes. And you are so far up into into Maine where where this is, it's like, what are you like an hour from the border with Canada? Yeah, it's uh, it's so close that the I think the main road right there is is the main logging road coming into the United States from yeah, from Canada. Nice. So like all day long, you just see the logging trucks flying by, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's fun. Get up there, man. Maine, Maine, I love Maine. I tell people all the time, like just go to Maine if you want. You want a New England feel, you know? Skip over everybody else and go straight to Maine. 
then uh, you know, go to the coast or you can go inland and see all the, uh, you know, all the fir trees everywhere and see beautiful lakes and mountains and there's nothing like it. You can see moose, you can see anything. And we missed a moose by like two minutes mm-hmm. when we went out to eat that night. I get, I'm a little bit flabbergasted whenever I look at maps. I, I'm huge into cartography. I love looking at maps. I love feeling them and touching mm-hmm. them. But I, Google Maps to me are, you know, fantastic. Like I love seeing aerial footage or, you know, maps mm-hmm. of areas. I like you zoom out and you do like a 50,000 foot view. And it just like, <laughs> the sheer amount of bodies of water in this area is just unbelievable mm-hmm. like and just to think like how many of them are untouched yeah people don't want to try to get to it you have to go through the woods to get there well and then we so we finished the day right we were getting ready to leave and we did get a chance to fly fish uh did mm-hmm. we fly fish was that moose straw we fly fish i'm good let's go back we fly fished uh which river was that the Kennebec. Oh, Kennebec, that's it, yeah. Yeah, the Kennebec River. It's real famous uh, whitewater rafting, and then real famous for, for trout fishing, too, with fly fishing. Um, but yeah, we're blowing up some spots today, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, that was kind of creepy to me, the Kennebec, because it was, um, where we were was right below the dam. Yeah, and it was actually it is... super dangerous, if you want to be completely honest. Well, I think anywhere along that stretch of water would have been dangerous. Even if we were miles downstream, I would have rather been there because if they hit, hit the alarm, at least we could have ran to the top, you know, like we yeah. would have been close enough to hear it. But like if we were further down river, who knows? I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they, if they opened it, I, one time we were there and I heard them sound the alarm as we we're leaving. And I remember going back to look and it's, it's a lot of water they let out. Even, even when they just, you know, I, I don't know if you're bleeding the system to make sure it works or whatever, but you, the water level will rise right there, right by the bottom of dams. And this is why people need to be careful when they, when they go by dams. Um, I think it rose like 15 or 20 feet. So it was like where, you know, we weren't that close to the dam, but there's guys that are fishing on rocks, like, you know, hopping rocks out to, to get to close to wherever they wanted to cast. And that, rock was gone because of water that got covered so you know you just have to use common sense not that yeah. everyone has it but <laughs> yeah who blown up spots man look at that look at that yeah i so maine is one of those places that i would love to spend some more time right like there are places up there that you know some of the more wild brook trout fisheries in, in the mm-hmm. country um there was a video i was watching on youtube uh, about a year ago where they went up there and they took a canoe trip and um it, it's like one of the last wild areas of, of maine they say like untouched and uh, you just watching it you're like number one like i would not bring my canoe because my canoe weighs entirely way too much like if you have the portage it right mm-hmm. um but they didn't catch any fish and it was kind of disheartening to see because you know there was you know a bit of logging that was going on along there right there was some i think some sort of fight going on if i remember correctly between some corporation trying to do mining along it and um Mm. and the locals who wanted to preserve it or the you know main residents who wanted to preserve it rightfully so um but it was a kind of a shame to see that they, they were up there in this famous brook trout fishery and in these remote, remote areas. Um, 
you know, doing a canoe trip and not catching anything. Um, but I think that would be kind of cool to do. Uh, yeah, it'd be fun for sure. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I think that's uh solid body. Solid, man. It's a little bit of a uh, nostalgia there. I, uh, I, I do feel a little pensive from time to time, right? Thinking about, you know, getting back out there and, and doing things. It definitely feels like we're, I don't know, year, one year in the, one year in the dungeon, right? Um, you know, I've been definitely enjoying myself a bit, but, you know, trying to get out and see other places is always difficult, um, yeah. you know, trying to do the right thing. Um, but our, our buddies are uh, down at Scoot and Surf today, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I, I hope that they are shredding it up over there. That's the uh, indoor surf park at the American Dream. Um, I would definitely like to make my way there eventually, and uh, I know you would too. Absolutely. I, I told uh, my one friend, I said, uh, I want a full report post-surf, so I'm sure he'll call me tonight on his way home, uh, <laughs> driving driving home after uh, after surfing and tell me all about it. But yeah, they, they had a two-hour session, two-hour block. Uh, they didn't tell me what waves they had planned out, um, but uh, you can you can choose your menu on which wave you want. Um, from my understanding, you know, like the I think the main one is Broadway, maybe or I forget. But basically, it's like a the main A frame where you can get a couple turns in, um, and they could just pump those out one after another, no problem. Um, if you want the the tube section that you see all the you know all the posts about, they could do like one of those minute. I think they have to let the water reset and everything. Right. It's just a giant TPA frame, like four foot, you, have to, you know, crouch down for us tall people um, to get into it. But it still looks so fun. I would love it. Um, well, for those so. of us who are unaware, right, and I'll throw myself mm-hmm. into that bucket there. Like when I think of a wave pool, I think like there is a specific wave that happens every time. But that is not the case. And you've kind of educated me that way on a bunch of things. And you you actually do get to select. How in-depth do you get to select your waves? Yeah. So they, they come out with a menu. Um, and I think I think it's only for private sec- uh, sessions. I think if you do a public session, they just they set it and they forget it. But uh, the private sessions, uh, I think they give you, it might be even a clipboard. I don't know. I'll have to find out after. But uh, you get to go through and, you know, just one by one select, you know, how much time you want with and how many waves with each wave. So if you have a two-hour block, you know, let's say, you know, uh, a wave, a wave every, you know, 15 seconds, um, they break it down like that, basically. So you could say the first hour, I want to ride this wave the entire time for the next half hour after that, I want to do this one. And then the last half hour, we want to do, you know, 30 waves of the, of the, you know, the tubing wave or whatever they call it. I forget the name of it, but, um, you know, it's, to me, that's, I mean, that's, that's the future. I mean, imagine renting out the, it's the same technology that goes in the BSR wave park down in, um, down in Texas and Waco, Waco, yeah. uh, just a, a smaller version of it. So basically they have like air cannons, uh, from my understanding that push the, the water, which creates the wave. And that's how they can customize it because it's, you know, you can control which ones fire at what time. And, uh, you know, it, imagine being able to rent out that wave and, customize it every time I want to ride it I mean they do you, you see sometimes they'll do like a um the big airs guys do on 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 you know on the waves down there and they do the double backflip or whatever I think they did one of the guys Seth Moniz did a huge backflip last summer like a Superman backflip it's because he requested the you know they were riding the 
the air wave. It wasn't like the typical wave that pumps all day. So, you know, the pros can choose what they want, but in a, in a smaller platform like this, you know, it makes sense. So like, let's say if a pro surfer is going to a contest where he knows it's going to be, you know, onshore kind of dribble, then he's going to want to be like, all right, so I want, I want to surf the same wave over and over where I can do one air. And there's that wave that's there, the air wave. And, uh, you know, just, you see the guys surfing and they can pump down the line, they hit the one section and do a, do an air. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like, it truly is an indoor skate park. So I think you're going to see a lot of kids that are able to afford it at least they're going to progress really fast because they're going to be able to do the same tricks over and over until they land them. It's going to be fun. Dude, that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I then, you know, obviously I follow them on social. You and I send each other back and mm-hmm. forth um, and watching these videos from there. Just, it looks, it looks really fun. And then when you compare that to the picture you sent me today from uh, <laughs> Portugal. Nazir. Nazare, however you want to call it. Yeah, my my dyslexia doesn't allow me to pronounce that. Um, <laughs> I, I I I would choose the indoor, you know, skate park or surf park or whatever the heck you want to yeah. call it. Uh, it. You know, I would definitely like to see Nazare or whatever oh, yeah. it's called. But for sure, I'm not I'm not going anywhere near that water. And that you know, you call me a wimp or whatever you want, but that's not it's not how I want to go, man. That's definitely not how i want to go oh thank you i've i've drowned before a couple times and i have no interest in doing it like in a place where i know that it's pretty much guaranteed that i'm going to drown yeah you can Um, put your feet up and stand up that's that's nice and you're in a pool and there's no big fish uh, (laughs) flying around underneath you yeah yeah it's fun it'll be fun it's gonna be it's gonna be fun the future the future is looking fun for uh for certain it's uh i think you know things are looking up the future is now old, man. It is. Going great. So solid. All right, brother. Well, yeah, everyone, man. thank you for listening. Uh, this was the Hacker Outdoors podcast with Michael Hacker and Brian Hacker. And uh, we hope you, everyone has a great weekend and we'll touch base again next week. Yeah. You get uh, get your plans straightened out for next week. I think we're going to have some really beautiful days early in the week in the 60s. So you should definitely get outdoors, even if you're in your own backyard, do something, work out outside, do something big fan of that get get outside yeah. and do some kettlebell swings or something oh yeah jump rope absolutely don't, don't go for a run though we don't promote cardio no. at all no. you can no, do no hit, car- but not cardio <laughs> <laughs> all right all right everyone all thanks right. for listening take care later